Hi, and welcome to Prevent This, a podcast of your choice, where we cover everything substance abuse related from prevention to treatment to recovery and everything in between. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of a doctor or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding mental health, addiction, or substance abuse. And Ashley here with Katie and Sandy, and today we are going to do a news roundup. We each looked up recent news stories and dove a little deeper into the content. This will be a freestyle episode where we have a conversation about these articles. And so I'm going to kick it off with the article that I found, and the headline is Florida Parents Reportedly Smoking Weed During Kids' Remote Classes. So in the article, there was an elementary teacher that said some parents can be seen walking around unclothed while drinking and smoking during remote learning classes. And she said, quote, we need to make sure parents don't get on the computer to help their children with joints in their hand and cigarettes in their mouth. Sometimes the joints are as big as cigars. You can't do that, end quote. Another teacher added that a father of one of her students was drinking a beer at 11.45 in the morning without a shirt on. The article wraps up. Are you laughing, Sandy? Sandy's over here laughing, right? Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. I should not be laughing. That's okay. The article wraps up with, We found that parents who are stressed by having to help their children with distance learning during the COVID-19 pandemic drink seven more drinks per month than parents who do not report feeling stressed by distance learning. These stressed parents are also twice as likely to report binge drinking at least once over the prior month than parents who are not stressed according to their survey results. So I think on some level, um, we can all agree that it has been stressful, right? I have three kids at home and everything got shut down and all of a sudden we're suddenly thrust into online learning with technology that some of us have no experience with. So I get that it is totally stressful. Um, I'll share a story when we first started um my kids school uses the seesaw app and so they were to do their things and then record themselves and sometimes when we first started they would be recording themselves with all the dirty dishes in the background (laughs) so I would make them you know like hey you got to re-record that like find a clean spot in the house or even they would be recording and I would be yelling at their sister to do their homework so I would make them re-record it so I get how stressful it can be and you know you get caught on camera sometimes Um, and even like we've seen on Facebook all of the memes that have come out one of the ones that I see the most common during the pandemic was homeschools going well two students suspended for fighting and one teacher fired for drinking on the job right so we're all seeing this stuff so any comments on my article I know I um, laughed at the beginning of the article but you know when you think about it it's really sad that parents have to turn to alcohol and drugs to relieve their stress. I agree. It is really sad. And I'll actually touch a little bit more on that with my article as well. Um, Kind of a funny story with the online learning. When we 
first shut down, we were having our bathroom remodeled. And so my son <laughs> had to do this check-in video. And in the background, as he's talking, it's like, and you wouldn't know what it was and so I of course in my immature humor thought it was hilarious um that that's what was in the background but yeah we definitely ran into that especially with only being able to sit in our kitchen for a whole day and having to do that zoom learning that was very 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 stressful so then I went to look for an article to see if I could find somebody defending their choice to use substances around their kids. And I found one article where a mom wearing a shirt that says, first I smoke weed, then I do things, um, said that I'm a mom of two and I've smoked while my kids are awake. And you know what? Those are the most relaxed, stress-free days my kids and I have. So although it's not on Zoom, she just goes on to explain that, you know, she sees moms chugging bottles of wine on Instagram. And so, you know, she should be able to smoke in front of her children. Um, and that's the only way that she can help with her anxiety. Uh, and help deal with her children. But is there anybody that's actually like promoting and saying that mom's drinking wine in the background is a good thing? Because I saw that argument too, like with, I went down that rabbit hole a little bit too, and I saw a lot of people saying, well, everyone can drink and parent, why can't I smoke weed? But I don't think anybody's saying or promoting drinking and parenting or saying that that's okay, right? Totally agree. Um, you know, I think alcohol is a little bit more acceptable. So when we see those, we just kind of like brush them off, but, and weed's less acceptable, but I don't think either one of those ways are healthy and coping with everything that moms and dads are going through right now. So then, of course, I went down the rabbit hole, as Katie said, and I found just some other crazy things that some teachers have posted that they've seen online during this online um, education. Um, one of the teachers said that a mom didn't realize her mic was on because she couldn't hear anything because her volume was off. So as she's trying to get her son's um, thing computer to work, she's swearing in the computer screen and the whole entire class uh, could hear her. Um, another one said, got to see the baby marijuana plants growing in the background under the lights. Quite an operation going on there. Another said, walking around the house with your tablet is never a good idea when mom is walking around in her underwear. <laughs> And then the last one um, is from a middle school teacher that said, my first Zoom meeting with my middle schoolers involved one of my students' giant dogs walking across her computer, which was apparently sitting on the floor. Then it stopped so that its giant balls were the only thing on the screen. We all lost it as she desperately tried to get her dog to move. They will certainly never forget that. So those are just some of the other funny things that we um, teachers have experienced with all this online learning. Um, I did search everywhere and I couldn't come up with what schools are supposed to do if they do see things in the background that are inappropriate. So if students are vaping during their online schooling or if they do see, you know, in Wisconsin, marijuana is illegal. So what, what can a teacher do? But I wasn't able to find anything online. And I guess it would really be up to the schools to decide what they can and can't do. 
So a few takeaways that I just want to touch on um, from these articles. Again, like we said, we're not saying that you can't have a beer. We're just saying that be conscious of when you're doing it and who is watching. Um, I watched a video of a mom getting caught on camera um, while she's smoking a joint, um, which, you know, is at first glance, it's funny to watch, but her poor child is sitting there like totally embarrassed. And then it's also exposing some of our younger children to things that they wouldn't normally see. So like I have a six-year-old and I'm not really ready to have those conversations yet about what marijuana is or what some of those things she is um, seeing on there. So just something to be mindful of. And again, as we've touched on, we need to show our kids healthier ways to cope with COVID other than drinking halfway through the day or smoking marijuana. You know, can we show them going for a walk or meditating or reading or something like that? Um, you know, kids learn so much from us through imitation and the things that we do and the ways that we act. So that's a really good point. Like, all eyes are on us when we're parents and yeah that's a lot of stress and a lot of pressure but they're watching you right now to see how you deal with a stressful situation and I think it's really important to be mindful of that and to model healthy coping mechanisms even though none of us have ever dealt with something like this before it's a huge teaching moment. And one more point I want to make too is you know with our kids virtually learning and seeing more stuff I think it's important that we as parents are also watching what our students or kids are seeing. Um, you know, instead of just putting our kid in a room where they virtually learn all by themselves all day, we need to be checking in and making sure that what they're seeing on the screen is appropriate too. Um, again, just to have some of those discussions if there are inappropriate things. Sandy, let me just ask you a question, because as a mother of two fully grown children, you're probably thanking your lucky stars that you don't have to deal with any of this stuff raising them. But, you know, raising Ashley and Tyler, like, did you have to deal with any of this stuff? Because I think a lot of times we learn from our parents and our parents can give us advice, too, on how to parent. So, again, this is uncharted territory, but anything that you could add? Well, I know I'm very thankful that we didn't have to deal with any of this stuff because most of the time we didn't know um, what was happening in a different household or what parents were doing. So it was more unknown for us. But I know that uh, with five grandchildren, you know, under the age of 10, I know Ashley's come to me and says, well, mom, how do I deal with this? And I have no clue because I was not part of in our generation, we didn't have to deal with that. So I'm kind of learning just as much as you as parents, as a grandparent, I'm learning what, what do we need to do, how to handle things. Yeah, it's definitely a learning experience for all parties involved here. It's crazy, actually. <laughs> I think a lot of teachers, too, might not have experience with this as well because 
the article that I read in the beginning, um, the elementary teacher said that the cigarettes were, or the joints were as big as cigars. Um, and actually, if it looks like a cigar, then it might be a blunt. So the teachers don't even know really what they're looking at either, which could also be dangerous. So that wraps up my article. I'm going to pass it over to Katie, um, and she's going to share what she found with her research. So my article actually comes from the New York Times dated October 3rd, 2020. And it's called Mother's Little Helper is Back and Daddy's Partaking Too. And so um, reading the article, it's about how more grown-ups are drinking and smoking pot to distract themselves from the crazy, crazy year we've had. And so, you know, reading through the article, um, the author, her premise is that she's part of this group of parents, and over the last year, um, she's seen a lot of them. They're called mom chats after dark, and so that's when the children are asleep and parents are getting drunk and high. And so they're chatting about it on this app. Um, And so this is from, she starts the article off from July when we've been locked down for 125 days. So some of the texts, um, 751, it's exactly 125 days tomorrow, I'm pretty drunk. Another one at 12.10 a.m., I'm really high and eating this cake right now, and it's so bleeping good. Um, And that's from a mother in California who was trapped inside her house with her children for three days because there was so much smoke in the air that she couldn't go outside. Um, So that was her response. And so, you know, the article goes on to talk about the increase in substance use, how it's understandable, um, but how it's also dangerous. And so um, I just read the article kind of fearful because, you know, coming from the perspective of somebody in recovery, like, you know, we talk about this a lot with addiction, but, you know, if you're just using and using and using and you use that excuse as because life is stressful, my kids are in bed and I'm going to use, I think addiction is a lot more likely to creep up on you. You're not going to be as aware. Um, you know, parenting stuff aside, like I don't ever want to judge other parents, but But I don't know, for myself, like, I couldn't see parenting while using drugs or drinking. Like, I'm so thankful that I had kids after I was sober just because you have to be sober to deal with kids and to meet their needs. And just from a safety standpoint, um, you know, it's concerning. And so um, the article, you know, goes on to say that there aren't any... um, Statistics really to tell how much substance use among parents have gone up, um, but they said they're seeing you know more prescriptions for benzodiazepines, anti-anxiety medications, which we covered in an earlier um, episode, which we'll link in the description. Um, but we're also seeing an increase in parents using parents smoking weed, and you know. I kind of going down this rabbit hole, I just looked at um, Instagram and I looked at the hashtag wine moms and the hashtag weed moms. And I was just so like sad that it's just like, it's a small group of people. It's not huge. You know, they had like 70,000 posts, but there was just a huge 
celebration in it. Like a lot of them were like, oh, I smoke weed or I drink wine so that I can be a better mother to your kids. And I'm like, what kind of message is that sending to kids? Like I have to smoke weed to be able to handle you or I have to drink wine to be able to handle you. And, you know, we talk a lot about that kind of messaging with parents. And so, um, yeah, that was where I was really struck with. And, you know, we know that, you know, with stressful times like pandemic and all the other stuff that's been going on in society, we know that substance use rates rise. You know, we've seen it throughout history when, you know, we have something intense going on in our world, people tend to turn to substances um, to self-medicate. But this is such a prolonged thing that's happening. And kids are home with us now. And so it just kind of goes back to your article, Ashley, where it's actually really concerning. And the modeling that kids are seeing and the substance use in the home, it just, it has me really concerned for the next generation growing up, what they're witnessing and what kind of behavior they're going to be modeling. Any thoughts on that, you guys? So I have one thought on that. Um, When schools first shut down, you know, kids, school was a huge access point for kids to get substances to use. And so now with more parents being home, they can't go out to drink. So I'm sure they have more alcohol in the house. If they're smoking weed, they probably have more, more weed in the house and even pills if they're being prescribed them. So now kids have more access at home than they have before to these substances. How about you, Sandy? Well, my question is, is if something would happen in the middle of the night with their children as they're high or stoned or drunk, I mean, what would happen? How would they be able to take care of that child? So that's a concern of mine. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I don't know if any of you parents have had to take your child to the hospital in the middle of the night, but my three-year-old had her tonsils removed, and she started bleeding, and I had to rush her to the hospital. She had to have emergency surgery. But if I had been high or drunk, I don't know that I would have been able to be there for her or to get her to the hospital in time. She would have bled out. So that's a really good point. Yeah, and my intention isn't, you know, in sharing this article to judge people for how they choose to spend their recreational time. And I, you know, we get it. Motherhood and parenthood and raising kids is high, high stress. But I just, as from a substance abuse perspective and somebody that's been in recovery, like I just, it's concerning to see this trend. And so the article goes on to describe kind of the history of this, um, Uh, how like women have since the 1950s really have long used drugs to deal with discomfort and discontentment with their domestic roles and so you know we have um you know we have prozac um we have all these different drugs um sterilized not sterilizers um tranquilizers that were designed to like sedate women that didn't fit into this traditional mold um, and so they talk about some of the ads that from the 60s that came out um, that showed, like, here's one, um, I'll quote this from the article. So, quote, a 1971 ad for Valium is about a woman called Low Self-Esteem Jan who never married because
because she is psychoneurotic. If only she could be sedated into perfect motherhood. So by the by the 70s, Valium had become the most prescribed brand name drug in the United States. But the cultural view of women and drug and alcohol use was starting to shift in that decade and it gave women much more agency. End quote. So the idea here is that like you you can't be happy as a mother. You can't be happy and you need these things to alleviate that. And I think I just think it's sad and I think it's dangerous um, viewpoint to have. And so um, the article goes on, you know, to talk about um, different moms and different like hashtags and different ways that you can see that this is becoming a cultural phenomenon. Um, And so they describe one mom who's been sober for almost 19 years and she has seven-year-old twins. So I can't even imagine the stress that she's under. Um, And she, when COVID hit, she lost a job of nearly 20 years. So she was, you know, dealing with raising kids. She's dealing with a job loss that she had no closure to. And, you know, she says she thinks that there's a lot of potential out there for substance abuse because of the, they call it the mommy juice crowd, but the wine drinking moms that celebrate it. And so um, the article kind of concludes with that. So I wouldn't say that this is at all a celebration of substance use by parents. And they definitely do say um, that there's some concerns in there. But it is, to me, it's just like, it's just a very big indicator of where we are in society and where we are culturally. And I'm sorry, but you you can't really, you know, we get this a lot working with youth and stuff, but we'll have our kids say like, why well, my parents drink and they use, you know, substances or they use pills. And so why shouldn't I, you know, and I, I just think it's hypocritical to put all these standards on our children and then to not be doing them ourselves. So do you guys have any more thoughts or anything um, on that? One of the things that really stood out to me was when you said, like, the perfect mom. We're all trying to be perfect moms. And when we look at social media and we see all these moms that are taking their perfect vacations and their kids have the perfect outfit, and then we look at our house and it's a mess and our kids are a mess and... You know, we we feel like we have to be perfect. So people, I can see how they turn to substances to cope with that feeling. So I'm going to turn it over then to Sandy because she actually did one on social media. So here you go, Sandy. Great. And this is a perfect segue into this. Um, And I found this article that I really wanted to share. So 63% of parents say teens' social media use has increased during COVID-19. 63% of parents say that. So a new report from the Children's Hospital of Chicago um, revealed that while there are some positive aspects, teens' obsession with social media is deeply concerning. No phones at the dinner table. Whatever social media restrictions parents had for their children went out the window as the entire family walked into the door and stayed inside to shelter at home. COVID-19's imposed coziness brought together working from home parents and their virtual school age children. Now in the age of um, the pandemic, that preoccupation has greatly increased. A new report, Parenting Teens in the Age of Social Media from Children's Hospital of Chicago, revealed that according to nearly 3,000 parents surveyed, 63% of teens are using using social media more than they did pre-pandemic. 
only 25% said they use it less, and 12% say about the same. A very large majority of respondents, 80%, said that they set rules around the use of smartphones and social media, and three out of four said they've been successfully enforcing them. 43% of parents used a monitoring app or restrict device and internet use, and 68% said those worked as expected. Half of the parents surveyed have censored their teens' social media posts because parents felt it inappropriate. More than 50% censor sexual content. What is the dark side of social media? The report acknowledges that social media can be constructive or destructive, and the difference is simple, how it is used. Social media can enrich a teen's life in many ways and has merits, Despite the more positive aspects, the report focused attention on parents' concerns and how it can threaten a young person's social and psychological well-being. So I just want to share my personal experience. Um, About, what, six, seven years ago, I went on Facebook. And I was just intrigued by it. But then I noticed a couple weeks after starting my journey on Facebook, I really started to get depressed. And I spoke to somebody and they asked, do you think it could have been the Facebook? And I was like, well, no, it's not the Facebook. And I really thought about it. And you know what? It was the Facebook. I was trying, I was comparing my life to other people's lives. And I was like, well, they're on vacation and I don't go on vacation. They're doing this and I don't do this. And my husband and I don't do that. So that was a learning experience for me. Needless to say, I don't look at all that stuff now. And I probably personally only spend about maybe half an hour on Facebook every other day. Um, And some days I go quite a few days without even looking at Facebook. Any comment on that? Totally relate to that article. Um, My kids are 6, 9, and 10. And we have a strict no social media policy yet because I just feel like they're too young. Um, But when schools closed down, they had no contact with their friends, and I know that was really eating them up. So we did allow them to download the Facebook Messenger app so at least they could FaceTime with their friends and they could chat. And so it was a good way to stay in communication. But now that they're back full face-to-face, you know, my daughter has an argument with her friend, and then she comes home to some nasty messages on Facebook Messenger. So I see the pros to it, but now I'm cutting it off just because they do get to see their friends at school, and they don't need to come home to see that. Absolutely. And I'm going to add just one more personal thing. I, my really good friend would only post the perfect scenario or the perfect picture of her family and as her friend I knew everything was falling apart but you would never know that from that post it was always the perfect moments of everybody's life my kids are um, obviously a little bit younger six and one so we haven't had to um, cross this bridge yet but I know that we're not gonna we're gonna do as you did do Ashley and not do social media for as long as we can. Um, I think it's it does a lot more harm than good. And one thing that I always think about is you know I see a lot of parents because I the age I'm at and I have friends with younger kids and I see like you know like dirty diapers or outfits that didn't hold or you know naked children and I'm like. 
I just think about like you have to think about your kids as having personhood and having dignity too and they're not like some prop or some funny thing to like post about um so again I'm not like judging parents that do that but I think like we just live in a culture of oversharing and like absolutely yeah over like you know what you eat what everything we share and I don't know that life is supposed to be like that so I just think I, I think about that perspective from having young kids that they have dignity too and let them have their dignity I wouldn't want that stuff posted all over about someone posting about me and you know Katie you're absolutely right I just feel that there is just no privacy at all in households with children or even yourself Here's another statistic. 58% of parents cite social media as having a negative effect on their children. Parents really want to know how social media affects their children psychologically and socially, and it is a major population. 42 million adolescents are in the United States right now. And this this, um, article was written in August of 2020, so very, very current. Statistics reveal 68% of parents believe social media affects their teen's ability to socialize normally. 56% believe their teen has an unhealthy desire for attention approval via social media. And just another tidbit, I remember a really good friend of mine, her daughter was in eighth grade and she caught her daughter using her master charge to buy likes for her social media app. And I thought that was crazy. And 67% felt concerned that their teen is addicted to social media. So parents are really worrying um, that their children are oversharing. So I'm going to go back, Katie, on what you said, that they're oversharing on social media and that it does change behavior. 20% of parents felt that their children were being too sexual. 18% were being insensitive, 16% were being aggressive, and 11% were being reckless. They also felt with the influence of social media, 25% of girls and 11% of boys are too sexual, and 11% 11 of girls and 23% of the boys are too aggressive. That's really scary when you think of sexual and you think of aggression, that our kids can be thrown into that very easily on their, on their mobile device. So what does social media take away from children? Mm-hmm. Sleep, mm-hmm. physical activity, schoolwork, attention, face-to-face interaction, healthy brain development. So I'm going to add just another little tidbit. So another really good friend of mine had um, an 8th grade, so what, 13-year-old um, daughter who had a little OCD tendencies anyway, and she got a Fitbit. And that Fitbit was a major issue for her at night because she kept looking at the Fitbit saying, oh my gosh, I'm not going to get enough sleep because that app tells you if you're in good sleep, bad sleep, and it became just this vicious cycle because of this Fitbit app um, regarding her sleep pattern. Wow. I know, isn't that scary? Um, What social media exposes them to, an unhealthy need for approval or attention, um, becoming sexualized too soon, not enough personal privacy, oversharing, sexual predators, hate speech, and an inability to focus, being bullied, and bullying others. 
That is really scary. And um, as I'm going to say the word, I went down a rabbit hole while I was looking at this article, and I found um, a website. What is the... Reddit? Why wait? Oh. Why wait till eighth grade? And there was like six questions that parents need to ask themselves if their child is ready for social media. So highly advise, highly advise that you go if you're at that point that you don't know if your child is old enough. And it's not even old enough; it's mature enough um, if they can handle what's going to come from that social media. And we'll post that link to on our podcast resources page, so you can read that yourself. And also, are parents even confronting their teens regarding this information? You know, even the inappropriate behavior. and that's of the 3,000 that were surveyed, responded yes, that they do, um, after they look through their their social media, uh, they do address inappropriate comments or inappropriate behavior. So I thought that was really good. Um, Also, parents worry about peer victimization and young people seeking out harmful content. For example, non-suicidal self-injury content. In addition to feeling like they are spending too much time online to the exclusion of other health activities such as sleep and exercise. Any comments on that? It's interesting too, you know, I'm only 36 years old, but we didn't have this back in in the day. We didn't have social media. And so, you know, kids have all this access to information that we never had. So if a kid is thinking they want to cut themselves, all they have to do is Google how to do it. If they want to, you know, get high on something at home, they, all they have to do is Google it. So it is definitely a different world we're living in, even, you know, different than 20 years ago. And I also think it goes back to social norms, right? Like if your teen is constantly on social media and they see everybody vaping, it can look a lot like them. And to them, everybody in their world is vaping or everybody in their world is drinking or doing these things. Like say they surround themselves with a lot of people that, you know, post self-harm stuff. Then it might seem to them like everybody's doing it. And we know that when, you know, they feel like everybody's doing it and they have that perception that going back to substance use, we see those rates rise. And so again, you know, I have to ask, what are the benefits to your teen being on social media? Like, I know there's just connection with friends, but, you know, going through this and for our own selves, like what really, what benefit do we get besides just to me, it's just a time filler and I I waste so much time and I don't ever come out with anything positive maybe like looking at pictures of someone's baby or puppy, but I don't really come out being a better person or growing in any way. So I think we have to ask that for our children too. So some of the takeaways, just to wrap this article up that I really got was that, you know, parents can have that direct conversation with their children about their worries and also Explore different ways with your children on how to maybe handle difficult online scenarios so that they're prepared. Once again, as we always say, be proactive versus reactive. Um, Parents can also put the effort into modeling a healthy balance of their own. And I, I just say, kids are watching what you do, so this is a great time that at dinner, 
everybody puts their phones away. Nobody, not even dad, mom, it doesn't matter. The phones are put away. Nothing is that urgent that it needs to be taken care of right then and there. And then um, set appropriate rules of when they can have it, how they can have it, where they can have it, and do that. You know, uh, years ago, about four years ago, you know, one mom made the recommendation of having a charging station that at a certain time at night, like 9 o'clock at night, everybody puts all of their mobile or their technology away and it's charged in a central charging place. So meaning it does not go to bedrooms. I personally, even to this day, I don't take a cell phone. I use an old-fashioned alarm clock because I don't need to know that it's going off or seeing the lights, whatever, with it. And, you know, maybe that would help, that everybody does that in the evening so that there's no um, technology out. And then, you know, specific times when it can be used instead of maybe specific times that it can't. I think it all depends on your child, the age of your children, though. Any feedback on the article? Sandy, I like what you had to say about, like, be mindful of your own modeling behavior. And I know we're guilty of this in the um, office of multitasking and doing things while we're supposed to be having a conversation. And I really try to be mindful of that. And I try to when my kids are at home, too. Like, you know, have you ever been around somebody that's just, like, glued to their cell phone and you're talking to them and they're like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. And you can tell, like, you don't matter to them and they don't care what you have to say. But I think about, like, my kids because they don't have cell phones, so they don't know that. So, you know, I try to think about, like, if I were in their shoes and they're, like, telling me about their day and I'm sitting here like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, you know, not paying attention. So I try and like think about what am I modeling to them in terms of my phone and how I'm doing it. So I actually found one thing that worked for me was putting my phone away for a certain block of time. And so I leave my phone in my purse when I get home and when I pick up the kids and I don't pick up my phone generally until they go to bed. And so that's worked for me, but just kind of setting those physical limits so that I am aware of what I'm showing my kids when it comes to technology. And I love that you just brought that up because I have gotten to the point that if I'm trying to have a conversation with somebody that is either on the phone constantly scrolling or on their computer, I will say, well, I know right now is not the right time to talk. So let me know when you're free and I'll come back and talk, you know, talk to you about it. Because to me, you know, it's almost like an insult that I'm not as important as everything else is. So I just walk away and just say, whenever you're ready. So I think we can all agree from our articles that one, parenting is hard, more so today than ever because of technology. Um, and two, we need to find healthier ways to cope with all these stresses, being a parent or not even being a parent. Um, we do have a really good webinar on our website where we had a doctor talk about being addicted to the screen. So if you're listening, you know, check out your choice prevention webinar um, and you can watch a doctor and how much screen time can affect a child's development. We also have some um, webinars coming up 
that are on our website that have to do with like anxiety and depression because of course you know our teens turn to substances when they are anxious or depressed um, eating disorders school violence so make sure you check out our website to learn more about those webinars that we have available for you so thanks so much for joining us today to learn more about um, prevention and for additional resources please check out our website at yourchoiceprevention.org